Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Tom Isle Podcast. Hope that every one of our listeners had uh, just an amazing Christmas. And now as we head on, I want to wish everyone a, a very happy new year. Um, but very excited tonight uh, to record the fourth episode. Once again, want to give a big shout out to my partner in crime, Matt Schioli, who week after week stays motivated and uh, stays excited um, to put content on the Tom Mile and get guests and record episodes really from, you know, you know, when we sat down with Fred Druding and, and heard his just amazing story with his career in boxing to last week talking to Mark Vink and, and his journey from moving from the Netherlands into the U.S. and you know, competing in judo and coaching judo. Uh, so we've been very, very fortunate and want to thank both of those guys for their time. Uh, for sharing their uh, their story with us. But uh, tonight, very excited to sit down and have uh, our fourth episode recorded with uh, our guest, to someone very near and dear to my heart and to my life, uh, Chris Jansen, who um, is you know really my first cousin, and we uh, grew up in, uh, right next door to each other. And I can't tell you how I get so excited to think about you know growing up in Emory, South Dakota, which I think you think about, hey, it's a small town in South Dakota, you know, what could really you know what could really be going on there but um want to sit down and, and very excited tonight to talk about growing up in emory and uh really all of the the very unique and in, incredible things that we experience being from that small community and uh one thing that I, I also don't think is really talked about with chris very much anymore is you know about 20 years ago chris was um, probably one of the best basketball players in the state of south dakota and uh, regardless of any class of big schools and small schools so uh, really had an incredible high school career. Want to talk about that. Want to specifically hit on um, in 1993 when Emory lost to Freeman when Chris was a sophomore. And to this day, I can look at um, every single loss or whatever of you know favorite teams and whatever that malarkey is and seeing you know losses there. But I can look back at that being the hardest loss I've ever sat and watched in my life. And I uh, want to hear Chris's take on that being a sophomore and being on that team and, and really what happened next, how they overcame that. And uh, leading now into, you know, where Emory right now is, Emory is, you know, with Bridgewater and they've had uh, just an incredible team. They won the state championship last year. I want to kind of get Chris's take on how the teams he was on would fare against uh, this new current team of uh, that is in Emory. So very excited, um, really an honor to sit down uh, and record a, a brand new Happy New Year as we kick off 2018, kick off an episode with, uh, with Chris. But first, let's hear from our friends, the Hall of Famers, the Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, the Beastie Boys. Rest in peace, Adam Yauk. All right. Welcome to the the fourth fourth episode of the Tom Howell podcast. Uh, joining uh, Matthew 
comrade. Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year. How say you? Feeling good? We're, uh, we're working on a holiday for the people. So, <laughs> pouring out content for you guys. Enjoy. Right. Hope you enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, joining us, Chris Jansen, uh, my first cousin. Um, definitely, I, I was thinking that of the, the people in my life I've known the longest. I, I think outside of my parents, I've probably known Chris longer than, than anybody. Um, but welcome. Thanks for doing this with us. And thanks for having me, guys. Um, really appreciate it. Thanks. Awesome. Part of Thank you. Four. Yeah. <laughs> this is uh, this is great. It's New Year's Eve. We're uh, recording this on uh, New Year's Eve morning, 2017, the last day of 2017. Um, you know, I, I think I say this every time we do one of these. We clearly can go anywhere we want with yeah. this. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I think when I... You know, Chris has grown up and, you know, not really a kid anymore. Somehow we grew up and we're now almost in our 40s. But one thing I wanted to kind of reawaken today and talk about once again, if you can remember, is Chris Jansen, the basketball player. The, the, your jock days of being a teenager. I don't know how many, you know, how many times we bring that up. I think now you're Dr. Jansen, and that's great. We're all very proud, and obviously <laughs> your journey that you've been on. But if if we can just kind of conjure up those youth moments of uh, you being, you know, a basketball player and an athlete, um, I, I'd like to talk about that if we could for an hour today and, and kind of talk about um, Emory. So Emory, South Dakota is where we're from. Mm-hmm. The population is about 400 people. Can you imagine growing up in a 400-person town? No, I can't. It's uh, it's pretty awesome. I always love these, you know, here's stories about these small towns. So it's cool that Chris is here and he can talk to us talk about it. Talk to us yeah. about it in, in Emory. So to kind of, I guess, why don't we just start there? I think you brought up, um, you know, a, a couple things. I mean, what what is your, if you're thinking about growing up in Emory, South Dakota, in a small town of 400 people, and in my mind, it's you know where my heart is it's home it's where it's from but what can you talk about like growing up in a, in a small community like Emory yeah for sure so I I wouldn't trade the way we grew up for for anything and I think you know maybe a lot of people say that but in looking back it was really a great place to be to be a kid you know the I had my my grandma and grandpa lived right next door mm-hmm. Joe and his family, first cousin Joe, lived two doors down. Uncle Kevin lived a block away. Uh, my best friends were all within walking distance. Uh, we had a, I always you know, told my dad when I was younger, I said, why don't we have a pool? I'd love to have our own pool. And he said, you got a pool. It's a, it's a block away. Right? <laughs> so we'd, we'd wake up. And I'd my, a typical day as a, a kid in Emory is I'd wake up and, and stretch out and... and uh, Run over to the go to go do some swimming lessons at the pool. Come back home, eat some mac and cheese. Go back to the pool, eat some lemon heads, have a Mister Freeze pop, and yeah, uh, just all day at the pool in the summer. And you know, in the winter we had we had snow forts, and and we had uh, you know it was it was cold weather to, to to anyone else. To us, it was great. I mean, we could we could uh, you know have a snowball fight or run over to, to Dave, uh, Dave Aaron, my, my neighbor across the street in this huge lot. We could play baseball or football. Essentially could just run and go wherever we wanted to, whenever we wanted to. There was no parents having to take you places. You just hop on your bike and, and, and you never felt unsafe or, you know, my, I don't think my parents ever felt that we were unsafe. Um, you know, we, uh, 
my dad, mom and dad would send us, you know, to do run errands for them. Sometimes mom would need some, some smokes or dad would need some beers and they, <laughs> dad would send me to the bar and we'd, I'd pick, I'd come home and buy with my bike with a couple 12 packs of beer and, and uh, they, the bar people at the bar <laughs> was fine. Sandy's bar were fine with just letting, letting us do that sort right. of thing. So it was a good, it was a great place. It was a great place. For <laughs> yeah. All. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. That, that is true. I mean, you think about, you know, just having that and just, just go outside and play until three o'clock, come home at three or whatever. Your parents just kind of setting you free. You can imagine yeah. just getting dropped off in Philly when you were five. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I had those summers too when I was a kid and, and it's awesome. I wish it was still, wish it was still like that for some kids. It's really not anymore. Yeah. It, yeah. I wish it was. Well, even in the even in the city that I'm in now, a lot of my friends are are parents, right? Most of them, the vast majority of them, are parents, and and it seems like you know they spend a lot of time taking their kids from one event to another, and they have to, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's a city that kids can't walk or drive, or and it's not safe to do that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Although I think Uber and Lyft are you know people are just sending kids in their Lyft and Uber mm-hmm. now, but back where when I grew up, I mean we we could just come and go as we wanted to. It was it was great. And you can get get anywhere on on a bike, and so with that, I, I think with that small community and, and that kind of for for a kid, I don't know, not even really isolation, but the things that you do when you're young, depending on what time of year it is, is you play baseball in the summer, you play football in the fall, and basketball in the in the winter, and then run track depending on what time of year it was. So, yeah. and that ends up becoming, I think, to me, a, a huge part of what's you know growing up in a small community and so why don't we just talk about that like how did you get like you you developed a very big passion early for basketball what can you tell us about that where did that start from your memory yeah so i i remember i've been told that when i was really little i didn't really care for basketball so joe and i come from a basketball family you know, my dad is 6'8", my uncle, his dad, is 6'9". Mm-hmm. They both played college basketball. My uncle, Kevin, was part of a state championship basketball team. Uh, my sister was an All-American basketball player. I mean, we have basketball in our blood, right? So when I, apparently when I was a little kid, everybody would say, are you going to be a basketball player like your dad, right? <laughs> and apparently when I was a little kid, I would say, no, I just, I just want to be in the band, right? Because the, the, <laughs> yeah. the marching band would practice during the day and they'd go by our house and you know they have the big tuba and the right. drums and I would just that run, was apparently awesome. I would just run out <laughs> I couldn't wait because you could hear the band coming from a long ways away yeah. and you couldn't see them and I would run out and apparently just couldn't wait to see the band <laughs> you know so I apparently had a love for you know music before I had a love for basketball but um, I, what I what I do remember is, is probably a seminal moment in in um loving basketball was when we went to Los Angeles. So my parents, my mom's brother lived in LA and my parents were nice enough to take us to Disneyland when I was a little kid, like 1985, I think. So I would have been seven or something. And part of it, but Disneyland was great. I really liked Disneyland, but what I really remember about that trip was we got to see the Lakers in the forum. And I didn't really care for any NBA basketball team at the time. I didn't really follow it. But I remember watching Kareem. Mm-hmm. I remember watching Magic. And I remember that, you know, we, we were in the nosebleed seats. And they, they got beat by Golden State at the time with, like, Chris Mullen and <laughs> you know, some of these teams. Mm-hmm. But I remember, you know, just watching those guys run up and down the court. And I was like, oh, this is, this is something, man. So I, it, was, I, it was after that that I really started getting interested in basketball. And I was getting taller, you know, mm-hmm. so I had a natural kind of advantage. 
at a recess and that sort of thing. Um, but I remember that being something that really kind of lit the fire. Yeah. 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 So getting started on basketball and it seemed like to me that at a younger age or a sixth or seventh grade, I think you started to have a lot of success and, you know, you were tall and um, started playing and kind of developed a, um, you kind of get to know other towns and their athletes. And it seems like Freeman, it seemed like was a, you know, I know at, at your wedding, I think I brought up during the speech about some guy named Brian Gertz and he was really good and he would, you know, Freeman would beat Emory. I mean, was that kind of motivating when you were that young to, to lose to Freeman? Is that why you wanted to keep, like, I got to get better so I can beat Freeman? Or what, I don't what can know. you tell I, us about that? I'm not sure about that. I, when we were younger, fifth and sixth grade, it was clear this Freeman team. Let me tell you a little bit about this Freeman team. Okay. Skilly, right? Yeah. So this Freeman team was, was made of uh, uh, kids that were in seventh grade, you know, but they were, they looked like they were sophomores or juniors <laughs> in high school. I mean, these were like muscular, you know, put together, you know, six foot two kids mm-hmm. that, you know, could shoot and run and, and that sort of thing. And when you're in sixth grade or seventh grade and you're six foot two and you're muscular, I mean, so I, I think one of the things during that time was like, I, more than, um, I wanted to beat them was like, I just, we can't beat these guys. You yeah. know, like when, during that time, I didn't even feel like it was close to possible to beat Freeman at that time. We beat us by 20 or 15. And that's a lot of points when you're only scoring like yeah. 22 points in the game. Yeah, you know, right? great, yeah. So it didn't really seem like beating Freeman was in, in, in fifth or sixth or seventh grade was really even an option. Um, so I don't know if that was particularly, uh, mo- it became more motivating as we started to close the gap, I think. And it felt like, you know, you can, you can, you can feel yourself and, and the players around you kind of getting better. Um, but early on, there was no way we were being free yeah. as little kids. So, And then it seemed like when you got into high school, I think mean, you started your freshman year, it seemed like. Emory started beating Freeman, you know, yeah, and, and again. And I think what happened is they stopped growing and we kept growing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like they just yeah. stayed, you know, six foot two. They, yeah. It literally is like his class when he graduated 95, those Freeman kids his age. And then when I was in high school, Freeman won four straight football championships. And these guys were all enormous. And I don't think Freeman even has a football team anymore. I don't think so I don't, it was almost like a perfect reload of the gene pool, kind of like what's probably happening in, in Emory right now. Yeah. But they just had these just dudes that we thought we were good because we'd beat other teams in the conference and think, oh, we're pretty good. And then we'd play Freeman and then we'd, yeah. we, we weren't even on the same, weren't even so close to being how they were. Where is Freeman in relation to Emory? That's a, so that's a great question. So about 20 miles away, which uh, is close. So when you're yeah. when you're thinking about the rural, so to set the stage of a rural South Dakota yeah. sort of rivalry, mm-hmm. um, towns are about ten to fifteen miles apart, or you know, yeah. some some a little bit closer maybe. And these towns, you know, Freeman's like what a thousand people or a couple thousand people. I guess I'm not sure how many people there, but my dad worked in Freeman, mm-hmm. so that was that was how close it was. Okay. Um, so twenty miles, although far, it was not far in the way we grew up. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess to, to kind of go into what I first thought about having a conversation with originally was um, I when I was in the seventh grade in your sophomore year, Emory, the Emory Eagles, what the team Chris was on as a sophomore, what I think went like 19 and one, lost to Stickney, who had a, a kid named Chad Kleitz, who was a senior at the time at the, at the Mitchell Corn Palace where Mike Miller played. So that was the only loss that Emory had. 
and during the season, I think beat Freeman pretty handily by about twenty points or so. Maybe maybe they played him once or twice, twice. but yeah, twice. beat him by double digits both times. Um, and then in the district, so basically the playoffs start in Emory High School basketball. You have to win the districts. If you win your district, you move on to the region final. If you win the region final, you're in the state tournament. So Emory in 93 played Freeman, a team they beat handily in the in the championship game of the district. Um, and Emory lost that game 73 to 70. And to me, still to this day, I, I don't know if just because hormones or being a you know, young kid, mm-hmm. that was the most devastating thing <laughs> I can ever remember watching. I remember just crying. I remember everybody was crying afterwards. And the next day, our neighbor, Dave Aaron, who we mentioned, mm-hmm. he's a 15-year-old kid. His picture's on the front page of the Mitchell paper. He's he, being consoled by his dad, you know, on the front page of the paper. It, it was a really pretty... It's kind of a shocking loss, um, and we were just discussing too. I think you know maybe a week. Or, uh, our grandfather was still alive then, and within a week or so, he, he passed away after that. So, what I know we just kind of said a lot there, but what can you? What are, What are your memories of that Freeman game? Yeah, so in '93, kind of set the stage of that of where we were. So, as a sophomore in high school, which is what I was, this basketball season was the biggest thing that had ever happened to me, probably. Yeah, I can't imagine before that time of my life there was ever anything bigger, right? So we um, had a pretty good year the year before. I think we were 16 and five the year before, and we came into this next year thinking we were going to be pretty good. But there was another couple teams in the conference that we thought will be about as good as us, Marion and Menno. We thought, and to our surprise, the first because Marion had beat us the year before, and this other team had beat us the year before, and to our surprise. The first time we played what we thought was the next best team in the conference, we beat them by like 25. I and mean, we were we were much better than I thought we were going to be, right? And we had a lot of really good athletes and kind of all the – and we, we like Joe said, we lost only one game the whole year. And we were ranked second in the state mm-hmm. going into the game with Freeman. And I think we had – most of us had kind of expected that we were going to win that game and then that we were looking ahead. There was another team called Alpina that we were waiting to play, mm-hmm. right? Um, I remember the Freeman game. I remember parts of it. I don't. I, I remember a few parts of it. Um, but I remember them playing really, really well. So it was one of those, one of those games. You had a guy named Mike Bender who I, I don't know how many shots he missed that game, but it wasn't many. He had 29 points, and he probably... I don't maybe missed five shots. Yeah. I mean, he he made everything he put up, and we we scored seventy five points or seventy you know. So we had a, we scored. It's not like we played terrible. Yeah. they played a lot of points for a high school. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> they played, they actually they actually just played really really well, and I remember missing some free throws down the stretch. I mean, I I I know that. Um, you know, I know that certainly we could have maybe played a little better, but I don't know. They they played just yeah. played really, really unbelievably well that game. But I mean, in the bigger context of things, it was uh, it was like my world was over right after <laughs> yeah. we got beat. Right, we were, we had big plans of going and uh, going to the state tournament and, and and making a run at it. Mm-hmm. Right, and I remember I couldn't imagine that I could have felt worse. And these two events are, I have no idea if they're related, but um, like Joe had alluded to or had talked about, is our, the de- a day later or two days later, our grandpa had a stroke, right? And so there's, there's some details of that that are, um, I don't know if they're coincidental. So it, grandpa, Gra- Arnold Jansen, right? Mm-hmm. 
It's a sort of pillar it's of the community. Name. It's a great, even an even better name, though, is his nickname, right? So his nickname is Creepy. Creepy Jansen. Creepy yeah. Jansen, right? Yeah. And so this is back in the day when they all, everybody had nicknames, like Shorty and Whitey. And he had a friend named Hit. Hit. Named after Hitler. Well, his name was Hitler. Hitler No, Mayor. his name is Eugene. Oh. Yeah. Hit Mayor's name is not uh, Hitler? No. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> Joe, I thought his name was Hitler. No. Joe's blown away right now. Yeah, right. So, I was, okay. yeah, so I mean, these guys all have these nicknames, and somehow he gets this name Creepy, right? And I think he has kind of deep set eyes, a bigger guy, six yeah. foot five. To add to that, he was involved with an explosion of a farm equipment accident in a parade. And a very serious, you know, yeah. injury. Uh, dad or Joe's dad was injured, and he was, and he eventually had to have his uh, Grandpa Creepy, who already had that nickname, <laughs> yeah. had to have his leg amputated. Wow. So now his name is Creepy. He's got a wooden leg. He walks around with a kind yeah. of a limp, right? I mean, but, but this guy is, he was a huge, he was a giant in my life. I mean, mm-hmm. he was. He was, he lived right next door to me. Mm-hmm. Everybody in our community looked up to him. Um, clearly, my dad looked up to him. And, you know, my dad was a larger than life figure in my life. So to see my dad give reverence to his dad, I mean, it was a, he was a, he was a huge part of my life and he was a, you know, he really enjoyed all, you know, the, the sporting events. He loved watching us play and that sort of thing. Well, the day after we lost, he, in the, the morning after, he did two things that were really, really um, unexpected. I think it was a warning after. It might not be getting the timing right, but he called me on the, t- on the phone, the mm-hmm. telephone. He had never in his in my 14 years of life called me on the phone. And he just wanted to tell me how proud he was of me. Mm-hmm. And that was really about all. And he also called Joe's little sister, Annie, who's six at the time, called her on the phone, mm-hmm. right? And then he had a stroke later that night. So I, there's part of me that wonders that if it was going to happen or if there's something going you, on. Yeah, do you think you know? he knew? Right. He kind of knew something was going to yeah. happen. So there, there was, seems like there was maybe something. Um, and that was the, the day after, a couple days after we had, we had lost that game. So clearly in the, you know, thinking about the, those two events, one is a much, much bigger event, right? Yeah. yeah. Rep has a stroke. Mm-hmm. But, um, but that was a very, very tough time for a sophomore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sophomore in high schools. Well, that in, in our grandpa creepy would he'd go to the state tournament every year. Yeah, you know he would be there every single year. So he almost you know was he trying to hold off? And I mean, who knows how, how that is? Yeah, but, I don't know. Yeah, but, but, but I can tell you. I mean, so I still see a lot of patients in in the area um, where uh, around our hometown, and, and people still remember. Grandpa Creepy, a lot of the patients are afraid to say it. So they'll say, are you related to that Jansen from Emory? And I was like, Creepy? Yeah, Creepy. Why do they call him Creepy? He's such a nice man. So anyway, that was a... I can recall Grandma Pat, who passed away in 87. I can remember her calling him Creep. Creep right. when she would yell for it, and I, I I would never think of that word creep. I'd always think that's what is that's what creepy. his name is. That's what his name is. <laughs> you know. Right? So going back to our childhood, I mean, one of the one of the things that people kids used to do, they I bring my my buddies over, yeah. and we'd knock on his wooden leg like, like yeah. this, like knock on his wooden yeah. leg, and the kids would be like, oh wow, you know, that's yeah. somehow that's it's really real. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess to to, to kind of think about too is. 
in, in, in a small town of Emory, um, and obviously I'm biased towards it, but you think about the kind of people. So you have our grandpa who was the mayor for up until he died. I don't yep. know how many, maybe 30 plus years of being the mayor. You have, I guess, the the teachers and the coaches and the educators in a small community like that. Mm-hmm. Looking back, it is phenomenal. Like all the way down the line, Mrs. Jean Clark, who ran a home ec department, was just, I mean, an amazing teacher. Mrs. Hammock, all these people, and not to mention, you know, Coach Van Luer and the football team, they all have been there for a really, really long time. And not to talk about how like old they are, but I think Van Luer got there in 1980, coach football, he's still there coaching football. Um, Coach Schultz, I think, got there in 91, 92, and he was probably 24, 25, has been there the whole entire time, raising their family there. So the type of people that you get, you know, when you're a young kid and that's who's kind of holding you accountable. Yeah. There's a high expectation and, you know, your grandpa's who they are and our parents. I mean, there was such a a high regard and so many amazing people. And Chris brought up to me a couple days ago a story about Mr. Christensen. Dean Christensen was, I think, the superintendent or the principal at the time. What can you tell Share that with us, that story. Yeah, so I think uh, just to echo what you were saying, I mean, I I have been, I was in school a long time, right? So I I went to college and medical school and I've been around teachers for a a lot longer than most people have been around teachers, right? Yeah. And I can tell you that I don't know if we just, you know, we got lucky. We got lucky in our small town to have the quality of mentors and educators that we had. I mean, it's, I, seems like it's not even possible really yeah. to have that that much like talent in in and at least that's how I remember it I remember yeah. these people all being really good at what they're doing um, so that you know that was a big advantage growing up not only in a small town you're in a class of like 15 people and you've got somebody that's hands-on and knows what they're doing that's yeah. I mean that, that's a huge advantage but I, one thing I remember was when I was I think sixth grade. And I remember the report cards came back, and, and I got a B in English, right? And uh, a, w- a week later or something, I had a note saying that I needed to go to the superintendent's office, Dean Christensen. His name is Dean Christensen, which is a great name for an educator. Well, right? And he's also he's, six he's also seven. seven. No, he's six. This guy's six nine, right? <laughs> so his name is Dean Christensen. He's six nine. He walks around. He tilts his head yeah. going through oh, doorways and all this yeah. sort of thing. And uh, and I'm like, what? What's going on? You know, what am I? Doing? I was like, yeah. What did I do? You know, probably did something. I, who knows? You know, you're young. And, yeah. and uh, he brings me in the office, and and he was, you know, Chris. Uh, I'm looking at your report card here, and it looks like you got to be in English. I was like, yeah, it's great, right? <laughs> and he said, well, I don't know. I, I he said, I think it's good, but then I look at, you know, I hesitate to even say this because it sounds, uh, anyway. So he, he's, if he, when I look at your standardized test scores in English, though, this is probably about as good as I would do as your, or your English teacher would do. He said, you shouldn't be getting a B in English. You should be getting an A in English. Mm-hmm. And I think, by, I think back to that, he didn't have to do that, man. He could have just yeah. let it go. Bs are fine. You know, he didn't have to take five minutes out or ten minutes out of his day to talk to some snot-nosed sixth-grade kid who was, uh, you know, doing fine. Mm-hmm. You know, but he it would... You know, he saw something more. And after that, I never got to be in English or ever again. Yeah. So it's just like that kind of accountability. Yeah. It kind of speaks to that small town kind of, you know, community that you're in. Like, I've, I've never had a teacher do that to me before. Yeah. Like, I got to be in English. Yeah. 
pretty awesome. Like, and even, teacher, like, hey. And even to this day, so Josh Kaiser, I talk about Big Kais all the time to my yeah. my friends all in Philly all know who Josh Kaiser. So Josh was my classmate, also, mm-hmm. you know, also had a, just an amazing student. Well, he's now the mayor. So I just think that the people in the bright minds that have kind of continued to yeah. kind of stay, you know, it's it's pretty phenomenal. So um, well, let's switch gears then. So 93 happened, we, you know, that sophomore team loses. Then I think back a year later to the 94 team, which in my eyes was as probably as good of a high school basketball as I ever watched in my life. I mean, I obviously was, was like a student manager on the on that team there when I was an eighth grader. So I got to watch firsthand. Basically kind of the same core of kids came back and Emory just went on to have a, a phenomenal year when, when Chris was a junior. Um, talk about, which I was, I think, you ended up playing ball a lot all that summer. Can you talk about kind of, okay, you lose to Freeman. Talk about the next year. What happened next, at least for you? How did you use that as motivation to, I guess, prepare for your junior year? Yeah, and so, it, you know, in life, when bad things happen, you know, you have the option to use that as motivation for making sure it doesn't happen again, right? Mm-hmm. So, um you know, I think we had all made a decision that we were going to get better. And, you know, one thing that I had always done was practice a lot. That was, that was, um, when I was, uh, seventh or eighth, or I guess maybe a freshman, I would, I would read books about some of the high school prep basketball players. There was a book that would come out and they do articles on, on some of these players. And one player was Eric Klein and this guy, Eric, I mean, this guy, you know, he's he's not the best basketball player to ever live, clearly, but he is one of the best shooters I've ever seen. I mean, the guy could he could knock it down from wherever. And I remember seeing him play at the Corn Palace, and this this small uh, arena was you couldn't get enough people, and people were sneaking in the side doors yeah. to see this guy play, right? Wow. And I remember watching him play. I could, you know, we were about as far away as we could be. I remember watching this guy play. And he got the ball off so fast and made some of the toughest jump shots that I'd ever seen anybody. And that, at that time, I was, I guess, a freshman, or I was, I was old enough to know mm-hmm. what it meant to be to make that kind of shot mm-hmm. with somebody with two guys in your face. And he, I think he dropped like 50 or something against Mitchell, and they, I think they lost or something, barely won. And, or maybe it was 40. It was a lot. Mm-hmm. He, he had a lot, of, you know, had a great game. And so I read about this guy, and his regimen was... He, every day he'd shoot 500 jump shots and he would actually log them in tens so he wow. would say how many he made out of each you know 10 i was like why well, I, I gotta do that yeah so yeah. i so i started <laughs> joe joe was, unfortunately joe was the victim of some of this because joe i ended up recruiting joe to rebound for joe me. Rebound. <laughs> right so he'd rebound for me but i tried to get in my 500 jump shots right yeah um and then i had him like get a broom and like try to block my shot mm-hmm. and that sort of thing um so i i definitely was no stranger at that point already to mm-hmm. practice but one of the things that happened that was different that summer was we as a team made a made an effort and this was before a lot of the team camp stuff that's happening now this was before a lot of the or maybe just when that was kind of starting there's elite camps right right and so the the summer summer basketball wasn't nearly as much of a thing back then as Mm -hmm. it is now and we were able to somehow uh, negotiate um a weekly um game against uh mitchell which is where which is where mike miller used to play he wasn't playing at the time Mm -hmm. um but his brother was playing and uh, they were a double A school. We were a B school, so they were as big of in the biggest conference, and we were in the smallest conference. Mm-hmm. And they ended up being the state champs that year. Okay. And so they, but we would play them in the summer, and it was always 
pretty much a draw. Who would win? They would win some, we would win some. And I think that, um, and it, it was really, and the, the thing that happened there is that even the kids that, the farm kids that their dads didn't like them playing basketball because they have to harvest or they have to um, plant, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. they still were able to get away that one night a week, which which was a big deal for us. So um, I think that was, that, that really helped us uh, in our next season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I can remember the next time Emory faced Freeman was in football that fall. And I remember I'd, I'd go there early and watch teams warm up. I, I've never seen a more fired up group of 14, 15, 16, 17 year olds before that. There was so much fire. I mean, it was, I mean, it was incredible. Again, I might be just been young and easily, you know, amused. And it, but yeah. I just remember being really excited about that game and Emory beat Freeman like 40 to nothing in football that night. And I don't know if Emory was 40 points better than Freeman in football, but it just, it was such a motivating thing, at least to me. And then Emory in 94, you know, goes on and uh, has a phenomenal year and, and ended up playing that Alpena team that, you know, Chris mentioned in, uh, in the region final and had one loss to Armour. I think mm-hmm. Armour had a Six nine kid uh, Ryan Van Zee. This guy Z. was awful, man. This guy was awful. So he was a Dutchman, Ryan Van Zee, right? This guy was uh, he was six nine. He was probably two hundred and fifty pounds. I mean, and his legs were just tree trunks. And I remember I played him in the summer. I played him in a basketball camp in the summer. I was like, God, this guy is so awful to play against. Because one of the things, one of the advantages that I had back then was I was a little bit bigger than most of the kids, right? I, mm-hmm. I uh, developed a little bit early, mm-hmm. but I couldn't, I couldn't muscle this guy. I couldn't move him. I couldn't do anything Dang. against the guy. Yeah. So I tried to, I tried to. He post me up, and I would just, he just posted me up. I couldn't like get yeah. him out of there. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't do a lot with him. Um, so, and I was just exhausted after those games with that guy so I'm very happy I don't have to do any of that <laughs> all I can all I can think about is Hoosiers right now like it, you lived you lived the movie of Hoosiers yeah <laughs> except for we didn't except for we didn't win the championship <laughs> well, right the Hoosiers, Hoosiers yeah. did unfortunately well so to go back on that Chris would shoot a lot and obviously when I think of uh kind of Chris's career and kind of thinking about how basketball is now. So Chris just mentioned playing physical, you kind of, I guess I wrote the word melee down. It was just the battle and it was physical and you post up and get the ball inside. And that's not really how basketball is now. I don't know if that's what, how you would play now, but to go back to that armor game against Mm -hmm. that Ryan Vanzi. So Chris would shoot a lot of three pointers and, like practice, practice threes and make them. Yeah. You know, like we just, just really got really good at shooting threes. There were two three-pointers I think Chris shot that year. One was to tie the game against Armour at the end of the regulation where all of a sudden he just popped up and drilled the three to tie it, I mm-hmm. think was the only. And the other three he made was Emory ends up, I mean, I'm kind of going all over the place here, but Emory made the state tournament in the first round, played Irene, and I think we're down three. And Chris stepped up and drilled the three-pointer in the state tournament in the first round. You know, so it was kind of like you're uh, ahead of your time there. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> what I can tell. So what I, what I think now, number one, I think basketball is a lot more exciting now. And basketball, I've always loved basketball, I and mean, mm-hmm. it's always been exciting to me. But say what you want. I mean, I, I love post moves. I love like I used to love James Worthy in the post. Man, that guy. You know, you just do a real quick like finger roll and all of a sudden he's like dunking like a nerd jam you yeah know, just barely over the rim <laughs> like it's down and it's down yeah. and it's down but he was, he, he was so great to watch or Kevin McHale would like he put like 
four moves on you before he before he go up. Kim Olajuwon, you know, yeah. unbelievable mm-hmm. to watch these guys. But you know that that's not happening now for the most part. And I, you know, has has basketball ever been better than it is now? I mean, look at the NBA now; it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't, you know, who knows if that would have been the style of play back then that. You know, probably wouldn't have practiced the way I did, or yeah. wouldn't have played the, the way we did. But um, I remember, uh, I remember looking up to those guys, or, or I actually had this thought in my mind, which is a crazy thought thinking back to it. But my dad is six eight, mm-hmm. right? And uh, Joe's dad is six nine, and I remember thinking, you know, Magic is six nine. But I'll never be as good as Magic. <laughs> but I could be as good as James Worthy. Sure. That's what I used to be. <laughs> if I practice enough, yeah. I could be as good as you know, yeah. James plays in the post. Yeah. You know, he's he's got a quick spin. You know, if I just I could just do that yeah. and play in the league. That'd just be, have a yeah. couple moves. Yeah, just yeah. have <laughs> kind of like like Marion Rivera had one pitch. Right. But no one can hit it. Nobody can yeah. hit it. But you just have to have those those moves that you just gotta practice. And what and, works, yeah. And just find what works. Yeah. So that, that was my aspiration, not to be magic, but just to be James Ward. Right. That's right. All. Be a, a Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, just want to be one, I just want to be one of the top 50 yeah. basketball players yeah. of all time. That's amazing. So Emory gets second in the state and uh you know that year loses loses to this team called Warner, which was pretty phenomenal. Actually in football. They got second in the state in football that year, too. So, And this was before, you know, now since Emory's football team has won, I don't know, six state championships since 2001. They've been unbelievable. Their tradition and, is unbelievable. But I just think of that first, you know, those 93 and 94 Emory teams, you yeah. know, what, how much they meant to me, not to mention, I, you know, I looked up to all those guys and yeah. knew them. Like, mm-hmm. that was just, that was really, really cool that, uh, that whole year in general. So, um I, I did. Oh, go ahead, bud. Oh no! So, so at like this time, were you were you playing AAU basketball at all? Was that like a thing? Or? So I we started the first year I played AAU was after my junior year. So after the time period that we're talking about now. Okay. So between my junior and senior year was the only year that I played mm-hmm. AAU, which was a which was you know another unbelievably great experience for a young guy mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, that was before. It seemed like, at least where I was, I think maybe it was more prominent throughout the rest of the country, but where we were, there wasn't a lot of it. There wasn't a lot of this sort of summer ball um, going on. So we had, um, I I got picked up playing some three-on-three. There were some three-on-three tournaments that we were playing, and there was a group that always beat us in three-on-three. There was these three guys, right? Mm -hmm. So Nate White, Nate Tibbetts, and John Sevison. They always had their stacked three-on-three team. And they were, I mean, they were... just great shooters. I mean, these guys were actually, they played back then the way that people were playing now, just jacking up threes and making them. Yeah. Right? And after one of our three and three games, we're like, why don't you come play on our AAU team? Right? We're putting together an AAU team. I'm like, well, I didn't even know what that really was. But the more basketball, the better. Sure. Right? Let's, get, yeah. let's get involved. So um, we played in the, the state AAU tournament, and there was another team called the Dakota Schoolers. We were the South Dakota Stars. They were, just, <laughs> they were really, really creative with, that, with their names. Pretty modest. And, uh, just, and the other team was the, yeah. the Dakota Schoolers, and they beat us in the in the, the South Dakota Championship, which is like a two game tournament or yeah. something, because there weren't any other teams really playing. Yeah. Um, and so then that the top two teams got to go to the national AAU tournament at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And that was in Winston-Salem, right? And so, again, put yourself in my place. I'm coming from a town of, 
uh, 400 people. Yeah. And now we get to travel. My family's, you know, of course my family's so great. They come, my aunts come and my, my mom and dad are there. And so the whole family's there. We got this whole South Dakota caravan of people that, <laughs> that go to this, uh, go to this AAU tournament. We didn't really know what to expect. We knew that we were ranked 62nd out of 64 teams. So <laughs> somehow yeah. there's a ranking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Story, yeah. I don't even know how we were 62nd. Yeah. Like, you know, because we were the second South Dakota team. Yeah. And, you know, they had this opening ceremonies thing, right? And we had kind of read about some of the players that were there, but we didn't really know who any of them really were. But when we got there, the opening ceremonies, everybody's got these really decked out uniforms, maybe with like a sponsor on them. Yeah. And we've got these awful, awful like jerseys. It, it was it was like these old mesh um, with like the letters that aren't even part of the jersey, they're like somebody separately like put them on. You <laughs> know? Them on. So like you take you take a letter and like cut it out, and, like, yeah, like stick it, like stick yeah. it on your stick it on your jersey. So we you know we're walking through and our I was you know we had another guy that was six seven, but we didn't have anybody nearly like the six ten and six eleven and seven footers that were walking around. Yeah. And so they they had this. Um, preview game they had like a marquee game that mm -hmm. night so they do the opening ceremonies they introduce each of the teams and then they had this game mm -hmm. and they picked out a couple of the teams they thought would make a good game and we watched that game <laughs> and we we're like what is going on here <laughs> like how many we are there's no way we're gonna get close to even winning a game here it's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> good and and so we you know we played the first two games and we won our first one and we lost our second one mm -hmm. and we won our third one so we got out of the pool to go into the rest of the tournament and we're like what's going on here how are we winning these games well essentially these guys are just knocking down threes like mm -hmm. these guys on our on, on our team are just lights out and we get through another couple of rounds and all of a sudden we're in like the top you know 16 teams in this thing right and so the 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 team that we played next was was the team that had the best player in the country, right? But the best player in the country, the number one ranked player in the country, wasn't playing, right? <laughs> and he wasn't he wasn't even at the tournament, right? Yeah. And we're like, okay, so we play this team and we beat them by like two with on like a last second, not like a last minute layup or something, mm -hmm. right? And uh, we're like, holy cow, we're gonna be, you know, we're going to the top eight teams here yeah. and apparently some of the parents were in the stadium mm -hmm. in, the, in the crowd and one of the parents had mentioned my dad and I, I don't know if this is true I, 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 I'm only telling you what my dad has told me right yeah. so I don't know if the facts are true or not yeah. but uh, one of the one of the parents said well if we had had our our best player we would have we would have this would not have happened we would have beat you guys by like 20 and my dad's like well who's your who's your best player and well, his name is Kevin Garnett. <laughs> and my dad's Kevin Garnett. And my, and my dad. And, and my dad's like, well, why isn't he playing? And again, I don't know if this is true. He said, why isn't he playing? Well, he said, well, his grades weren't good enough. He had to go to summer school so he could play next year. Oh, my God. And my dad's like, well, all of our kids' grades are good enough. So it looks like we won this one. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like Kevin Garnett, he Kevin majored Garnett. in basketball. Yeah, right, exactly. Like, what does it matter? What does it matter? The guy goes yeah. straight from high school. Yeah, to yeah, Kevin. To but honestly, it would have been, you know, whatever. It would have been really great to play against Kevin Garnett. And, we, yeah, and then we would have beat us by 50. Yeah. But it would have been 
great to play against Kevin That's, Garnett. Oh, who are some of the guys? So, the guys so you remember? I think the Ron next game, Mercer. Yeah, the next game. <laughs> the, so the next game we had we played against uh, uh, this guy Ron Mercer. I don't know if you remember Ron. He was oh, a, I remember Ron Mercer, yeah. Kentucky. So yeah, he was yeah. he was clearly the star of the tournament. He was a number two ranked player at the time, and uh, clearly like all the the hype was around Mercer, right? And so we're like, oh, we get to play. Mercer's, that's great. We get to play his team. Right? Yeah. And, and there's nobody really at these games. You know, there, it's not like there's a crowd of people watching these mm-hmm. games. And it's, so it's quiet enough where you can kind of hear things. <laughs> and the, they have a row of chairs for, uh, for re- recruiters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. For coaches Schools to watch you. Yeah. And so uh, on the sidelines next to the court, like the Nicholson seats <laughs> of our game is Mike Krzyzewski, Dean Smith, Nolan Richardson, Gene Cady, they're all yeah. watching our game. Yeah. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> like, wow, if, you can, if yeah. I can get 40 tonight, maybe yeah. someone will see yeah, this. Seriously. This is my shot. This is my shot. I remember that game. Um, I remember a couple things. One of our players had like 30. John Stevenson had 30. And we, they beat us by like... I ten. They didn't kill us, but they beat us handily. And I remember guarding Mercer. I, not not for a long, but mm-hmm. I remember guarding him for probably like a five minute stretch. And I remember it just being like a joke to him. Like it seemed, it, it, he never really laughed at me directly. Yeah. I remember him like he gave me a pump fake. Like when, remember one of the Jordan pump fakes where you bring the you know you bring oh, the, the, the palm, the palm, yeah. the palm yeah. gave me one of those, and I would just fl- you know all I would do is block a shot. <laughs> block and, robbers, I, yeah. and I just flew up, and he just he didn't even go around me. He waited for me to come back down. Draw the foul. No, he didn't even do that. <laughs> he waited for me to come back down, and then he, he like let me set up again, and then he shot a three and knocked down. <laughs> So the other thing I remember about that game is we had this guy, Todd Schleckaway, right? So Todd was an eventual, I think, an eventual Mr. Basketball. He was a year younger than me. Okay. And uh, he was a lights out free throw shooter. His dad is a coach. Like he grew up shooting free throws, right? Mm-hmm. And I think he was like a 90 some percent free throw shooter. And the game is kind of winding down. Um, it's getting, you know, there's probably four or five minutes left. And Schleckway goes to the line, right? Mm-hmm. And he steps up and uh, knocks down his first free throw, right? Steps up for the second one, and under the hoop watch, walks Mike Krzyzewski, <laughs> right? right? Right while Todd's shooting. Yeah. He airballs the free throw. He airballed the free throw. The guy's probably never airballed the free throw. Right. Like, even when he was like, when he was four, he probably never airballed the free throw. Anyway, we had a ton of fun, man. Yeah. It, it, was, it was one of those, and I think we ended up getting eighth of the, in the tournament, which, you know. We had a ton of fun. The the news, the Winston Salem newspaper did like a little story on us. That's it's like a yeah. it's again again it's like a movie. Like I love yeah. those I love those stories. Like yeah. you know, small town goes this big tournament. Yeah, you you know uniforms are not the best uniforms, but you know just go in and, and beat these guys. It's, yeah, I, I love that. Stuff. I love. We had a ton of fun. Man. I love that was great. So heading into so that was the summer before. What do you think that did for you going into your final senior season in basketball? Um, I think. I mean, I think that it's not that I needed the confidence. I had plenty of confidence at that point. Yeah. You know, it seemed like. Uh, I think what it did. I, I probably really what it did is showed me that I'm really wasn't that good. I mean, I I've you know at that time the competition that we were playing against. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the tallest guy I'd usually play against would be, you know, 
typically 6'4", 6'5", 6'6". And you see what's out there, the, the types of players that are out there. I think what it really shows you is how good other people really are. And I think part of that, actually what it showed me, that's a good question. I never really thought about this, but I think that tournament actually kind of probably showed me mm-hmm. that if I was going to play in college, I might have been better off playing football than basketball. Because I knew I was never going to be as good as some of these guys playing, you know, So back then there was something called the Midwest Sports Channel. I don't think there's anything like that anymore. But it was like a a, a regional channel. So not like a local like mm. you know local channel, but like a four or five state channel, right? And they played college games and sports and that sort of stuff on there. And so they I, we got an invite to this gala at the Hilton, which is a huge deal. I'd never been to the Hilton <laughs> in Minneapolis. And they were pre- presenting the their student athlete of the, of the year, right? And they had a guy from, they had me, and they had a guy from Wisconsin who ended up um, playing D1 uh, for the Badgers. And then they had this other guy who was a hockey player named Matt Cullen. <laughs> Right, and I looked at and so I so like they, they sent us like Matt uh, Collins just played his fourteen hundredth game in the NHL. Yeah, 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 it's right. going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame. Absolutely, in the NHL. absolutely. <laughs> so I remember they sent us the the program right, and I, I looked through the program. I was like, wow, look at these guys, right? So there's the three of us up for this award, and the night before, my dad is like, well, do you got a speech ready? I said, Dad. I, I'm not winning this. <laughs> Look at these guys. I don't have to give a speech right now. Let's enjoy ourselves. We have this free breakfast buffet tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like this great, like this unbelievable like meal and Chris Carter's gonna be there, right? Oh, and, and so, you know, they're presenting all the awards to the other people and, and Chris Carter gets up there and, and starts presenting the award. Right, and I'm just eating, just, just enjoying myself. <laughs> and they've introduced the three of us and go through what we've done and and uh, I'm, I, I remember I was eating my dessert, right? <laughs> and Chris, Chris is like, tonight's winner is a double major. He was a major in both football and basketball. And I dropped my fork, and I was like, none of these guys play football and basketball. And I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to give a, I'm gonna have to give a speech here. <laughs> and, and so he ends up introducing me, and I'm well, I don't know what to say essentially when I get up there. Yeah. And, and clearly, I'm not, you know, I mean, you can look at it any way you want, mm-hmm. but there, Matt Cullen may have been the better. Matt Cullen, who's probably better playing, choice. Matt, playing the Boston Matt, Bruins tonight. Right, you know, Matt Cullen. May have been the better yeah, choice. Matt Cullen's at that time. doing okay He's for himself. With his Stanley <laughs> Cup championships <laughs> and his future Hall of Fame. I'm not saying they made the wrong choice there, but I'm <laughs> not sure they did their homework on that one. <laughs> That, it was great. That was a great night. Who, uh, night. how was, who voted for that? Was it like, yeah, how did you win that? Like I have writers, no idea how like I sports won that, writers. <clears throat> so it, it, it was, I don't, I actually, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I do know they may have, uh, you know, the, the student part may have set me up, set me up a little bit. These guys were, these guys had like 4.0 grade averages too. I don't know. I have no idea how that happened. It should not have happened. Somebody dropped the ball. <laughs> somebody, oh, cl- somebody clearly did yeah. not, did not re- research that. Who was the was it was Oki the guy Sam no, Oki? Wasn't I wish. Oh, no, Oki. Sam I don't remember the guy from Wisconsin. Uh, I don't think he had a big a big career, but clearly there was a there was a, a clear choice there. So, and I think actually Matt was already ready go to go to the NHL. I think he, you know I don't know how that how that works necessarily, but I don't know that he played a lot of 
college. Yeah, I think right? he gets signed, and yeah. he may have just started. Hockey, yeah, hockey's different than, like, other sports. You got to play, like, a lot of guys play for junior teams, and they don't Kind of like, play. probably, like, AAU. For don't even, like, yeah, like, kind of like that. They like play yeah. for junior clubs, and... yeah. Then, then a lot of guys will go to college like after that, and they're like when they're like twenty two, yeah, like twenty two year old freshman in college, yeah. and then yeah. play college. Yeah, I'm sure Matt's pretty upset about that. Yeah, one yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got that one on him. Yeah, that's that's phenomenal. So, well, what else? What else do you want to talk about, uh, my friend? I, I, that's it. I that's that's awesome. Just get rubbing el- rubbing elbows with Ron Mercer, right. and Coach K, and Matt Cullen, and. It's great. Yeah, that's a that's a phenomenal story. I feel like we could almost do another one and get more stuff. (laughs) I'm I'm an endorsement. I love good good coffee and conversation. Yeah. Well, what? So you also brought up to me when you were. We probably can do. We probably got to get ready for brunch here pretty soon. Um, You brought up another story about when you were a, a second grader having to oh, go yeah. to what you thought was the gifted program. Yeah, so I just learned this. <laughs> I just learned this a year ago. So growing up, I was told that I was always under the impression that I was early on recognized as somebody who needed or who should be going to this gifted program in Emory. Mm-hmm. Right? And I remember going to see this guy, Mr. Saunders is his name, mm-hmm. right? And I'd go like once a week or once every two weeks or something. And, and he'd take me through some like word problems and like maybe like a maze and some math problems. And then we'd just talk, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the gifted program. That's what, <laughs> they just, that's what they did in the gifted program, yeah. right? Well, it turns out uh, we were having dinner uh, like a year ago and my mom was like, yeah, wasn't really necessarily the gifted program and I was like well what what was it well your first and second grade teacher Mrs. Lehrman and Mrs. Jansen they were they were a bit concerned about you <laughs> because apparently you worried a lot like apparently I was like a, and I still worry a lot but okay, yeah. like when I was a little kid I apparently was like a little worrier right and so they were they were concerned about that so they wanted me to go see a counselor they told me it was a gifted program oh my god instead of being honest with me they just told me it was a gifted program <laughs> right and so apparently that went on only as long as uh uh, a, a few sessions when it, when the guy finally really got to the heart of the problem. He's yeah. like, okay, what do you, you know, Chris, do you ever worry? And I don't remember saying this, but my, my mom told me that this was what she was told. Mm-hmm. And apparently they're like, you know, Chris, do you, do you worry a lot? And I said, yeah, I worry a lot. Of course I worry a lot. I said, well, what do you worry about? Well, my dad drinks and my mom smokes. Was it not to worry? <laughs> <laughs> and to be clear, no, there was, you know, I grew up in a great household. There was never a problem with my dad. But that's, those are the things apparently that I worry about. So apparently after that got back to my folks, there was no more gifted program. Right. We don't need to I went through, I guess, 30-some years of my life thinking that I had this this you know childhood talent when apparently I was just worried all the time. Yeah, funny. that's phenomenal. Well, one one more question: Do you does um do you still kind of keep in keep in contact with the coaches at Emory? Do they ask you to come in and talk to the team at all, or help coach? Um, so like that? yeah, that's a good question. I've never been asked to talk to uh, talk to a team. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep in contact with them, uh, you know, as much as a couple of times a year. Um, 
usually if I'm back, we um, we used to have a tradition that we'd go caroling, and one of the places that we'd stop would mm-hmm. be Coach Van Luer's house. Um, but right now they're going through a renaissance, man. That that area is um, exploding. I mean, our football team is unbelievable. Our basketball team was undefeated last year. I mean, they've got a really really special thing going on right now. So it's it's been great to hear about it. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the, I mean, I look back and I think about even my career path that I've been on whenever things are challenging. I, I, it's amazing how many times I really think back about a practice with Coach Schultz or with Van Luer that kind of helps. I don't know. They just kind of get through it. Like you kind of think like, okay, if they were still watching or yeah. I got to try to impress them, if I can play hard. And it, that's probably the biggest thing I can think of is how I think that their ability to get maximum effort from a young kid is somehow they, you know, for being and doing it that long, I think there's a true genuine effort they get from every one of those kids that plays for them. You know, it's just, it's pretty phenomenal. You know, yeah, I, I, agree. Do it. I think, you know, this, this podcast is a town mile, right? And, yeah. and the you think of our, you know, again, I, clearly you're talking, Skilly, you're talking to two very biased <laughs> yeah. individuals. Like clearly we think that what everything we had was the greatest, right? But I mean, I don't think everybody would say that the place that they grew up, people paid yeah. attention to them or mm-hmm. people cared about them or yeah. people mentored them, you know? And, and like I said, that was a... That was a lottery win for us, man. Yeah. We, we grew up in a great spot. Well, so. the other thing is, too, there's probably a lot of people that don't that wouldn't say the same thing or had, didn't have the same experience we did yeah, in that's terms true. of being an athlete that's or whatever true. else in, in Emory. But, but, yeah, the town mile comes from what Coach Van Luer would call you, yeah. track practice, call yeah. it go run the town mile. Because yeah, we didn't have a track. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so we have to run around the run town the mile. Concrete. And don't yes. tell Coach this, but sometimes we just stop at our you know, my house and, and just cut and, <laughs> and just wait for people to go by. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. Until the second mile, then we'd start yeah. like, in the start, second mile. Yeah. 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 I'm sure yeah. Well, my wife sent the dog downstairs, so I think that may be a cue. We got about, we got 57 minutes. Um, this has been great. Yeah, Chris, thank you yeah. so yeah, much for sharing. You. You guys, um, thanks for the great content. I listened to the last couple last couple pods, and uh, you guys you guys got a good thing going here. We appreciate um, it. We're we're very blessed in our lives yeah. to have uh, <laughs> to be able to talk to these talk to you guys and have these people in our lives that yeah. have these awesome stories. So. Absolutely. Thank you a lot for just sitting down with us for an hour. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. For sure. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year, everybody. All right. We'll uh, we'll see you out there.